0: Welcome to Tester's Island Discs, your most musical guide to the world of software testing. My name's Neil Studd, and I'll be your castaway companion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tester's Island Discs, our final episode of 2017, where today I'm talking to Lisa Crispin. Lisa's had an illustrious career spanning several decades and many different job roles, ranging from programmer, analyst, to tester and test director. And she's currently working with the tracker team at Pivotal Labs. And along with Janet Gregory, she co-authored the 2008 book Agile Testing and the 2014 book More Agile Testing. Welcome to Tester's Island Discs, Lisa.
1: Thank you, Neil. I'm so excited to be here. I've listened to your other episodes and I just think it's a wonderful idea. And um, besides learning about testing, I've been learning about music.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on board and to, and to share some of that excitement. That's one of the, the best things that I get out of the podcast is hearing other protesters just be so excited about what they're talking about. Uh, it's, it's the sort of passion we don't always get a chance to show, and I hope it comes through to the listeners as well. Just to give a little look behind the curtain, we're actually recording this over Thanksgiving weekend, and it will be coming out during Christmas week. So are you in the festive mood yet? When, do, when does the festive season kick off for you?
1: Oh, I'm definitely, definitely festive. Uh, Thanksgiving is the traditional kickoff of the holiday season for us. But I was in London week before last, and I noticed even in London there were already festive lights up and things like that. So you know we've got to counteract the sort of the dark time of year in the northern hemisphere here. So um, I've had a big, a big holiday meal yesterday, and I'm ready to keep eating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> our holiday season is starting earlier and earlier and i think actually it's it's black friday that's, that spawned it for us which obviously is the day we're recording today it's uh we, we don't get the benefit of the thanksgiving uh food festival but we do get a kind of a kickoff event for the holiday season
1: oh my so you have a black friday even though you don't have Thanksgiving.
0: yeah that that has firmly filtered into our oh culture
1: oh, i'm so sad for the many ways that the u.s culture has spread <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you've been doing quite a bit of traveling recently because you've just recently come back from Agile Testing Days as well. Are you feeling recharged from that yet?
1: I am. I was lucky that I could come back on a, on a short work week, you know, three-day week for us. So uh, I learned at the BDD Exchange Conference in London the week before Agile Testing Days from uh, Sal Freudenberg that we need time to incubate new ideas and to really reflect and think about them. So I'm quite grateful to have a four-day weekend to think about the torrent of new ideas I have from both those conferences.
0: There's so, so many great things that go on at these conferences. Is there any session in particular that, that you were particularly impressed by, if you could pick one or two out?
1: Oh, it, is, it is hard. Sal's was definitely, definitely made an impact, just her insights in neurodiversity and how our brains work and, uh, you know, what we need as people. And and similarly, a newer speaker at um, Agile Testing Days, Guma Petrova, did a talk on what she called her sins but I think it's more of our desire to help people sometimes leads us astray and we don't take care of ourselves and she gave a really good talk on how to focus on helping yourself and your team do a good job and you don't necessarily have to drop everything and help everybody who comes and asks and interrupts you and uh, and you really do need to pace yourself and work at a sustainable pace and that sort of thing. And I thought it was a good reminder and and wise words from someone so young. So it's really great to see so many newer speakers out on the scene and helping us supposedly more experienced people (laughs) do a better job for ourselves.
0: Yeah. And and being open and introspective about their experiences and their doubts. And yeah, it's it's really good to see. And it's good to see so much more of it. I saw Sal Ordenberg at CAST last year in Vancouver, and she did a very good talk on neurodiversity, which is one of my favorite conference talks of recent years. I'll post a link to that in the show notes because it's on YouTube. Oh, great. I've recently come back from Test Bash Philadelphia, where, again, there were some, some of these similar themes running through it. And one of the themes was testers talking about what their origin story was. You know how everyone says they fell into testing and they're saying actually this was this was the route i took i reeled off a long list of job titles at the start there what was what was the abridged version of your journey into discovering the world of testing
1: oh my yes well i fell into it to begin with i did not study anything to do with programming or computers in school my first degree is in beef cattle production and then i have a (laughs) master's in business administration but i was hired into a computer programmer trainee program by the University of Texas so they hired me for my domain knowledge for my knowledge of business and uh, that's kind of a refreshing approach but uh, I enjoyed programming but later I went to work um, in technical support for a software company and after a few years of that we were getting frustrated because new releases would go out and customers would call us very angry and say how could you not have noticed this giant (laughs) bug And it's like, yeah, if we would have seen the software before you did, we would have noticed. So we started begging the developers who were were actually, we were in Denver, Colorado. They were in Germany mostly. And we started begging them if they could send us an early copy of what they were going to release. If we could at least get it a few days ahead of time. So we started installing these new versions and testing them ourselves so that at least when the angry customers called we could say oh yes we're aware of this problem and we're working on a patch Mm -hmm. so and then our managers were going huh testing that's an interesting idea so they decided to form a testing department and I volunteered because I was really having a good time with it and so that's that's my story and of course I could continue being a programmer because um There were lots of things to do with release scripts and installation scripts and test automation and things like that. So it was kind of an ideal blend for me.
0: And we'll go on to talk more about where your career went from there and the two books that you wrote, Agile Testing and More Agile Testing, and what that means for whole team quality. After we talk about the reason you're here, which is you have, like our previous guests, been stranded on a desert island and you've been able to salvage five records to take there with you. What was the first one that made the journey with you?
1: Well, For me, with music, I I love rock and roll. And to me, the Beatles are the archetypal, not only rock and roll group, but for us in the software business, I feel like they're the archetype of so many attributes that make us great at developing software. They love to experiment. Uh, They love to learn new things. They are so famous for, you know, the tens of thousands of hours of practice they got playing in Hamburg, Germany in their early days, and they were just so super, super creative, and they also had a sense of safety from what I've heard of interviews of them, because as they were rising to this incredible fame and this this crazy Beatlemania, which which I'm happy to have been born at a time I could live through that, um, they could rely on each other. They weren't like Elvis, you know, just a single person in this spotlight. But they were four people going through the same thing together and they had each other to rely on. And I think I feel like that gave them a sense of safety, which is something that we need in our own software teams to be able to to experiment and create and innovate. Uh, And so the song I picked was She's Leaving Home. And I love this song in particular because it's such a great example of pairing from. Paul McCartney and John Lennon because it's basically a Paul McCartney song but John Lennon added a I don't know what the musical term for it is but the callback during the chorus
0: mm-hmm. where
1: Paul McCartney is singing one thing and, and John Lennon's responding uh, as kind of the parent's voice and I love that they got the idea for this song from a newspaper article they happened to read about a young girl who had left home um, because she was unhappy with her parents and she had you know, plans to meet a boyfriend. I don't think he was actually in the motor trade, but, um, but I just, it's, to me, that just makes it a beautiful song. The fact that it's a collaboration. Quietly turning the back door key, stepping outside, she is free. She, we gave her most of our
0: lives, is leaving. So that was the Beatles with She's Leaving Home and Lisa the first person to pick the Beatles and I'm sure she won't be the last. Now, your recent book, More Agile Testing, is subtitled Learning Journeys for the Whole Team, and that whole team approach to quality is something that I've been trying to get through to my own teams for a long time, and I feel like I've been doing it with mixed results. To give you an example, I had two one-week vacations recently for various trips around the world, and during those times, the team decided that they were going to scrap the releases we planned for those weeks because I wasn't around, and they wanted to make sure that it had my seal of approval, and it was kind of like I spent so long working with these teams to say, you know, we're all responsible for quality, but then... How can I, as the only tester in the team, help my team to fend better for themselves?
1: Well, I think it's really wonderful that they value you that much. I mean, it's 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 a positive thing in the way that they just feel like, wow, we need Neil here to feel confident that what we're releasing is good. But on the other hand, it's terrible to be somebody's safety net because mm. it may make them tend to be a bit sloppy because no worries we don't necessarily have to test this ourselves because we have a wonderful tester and i've often been the lone tester as well and even on my current team we effectively have two testers for oh a couple dozen developers so it just doesn't scale very well um Mm -hmm. I think going on vacation is actually a really great way to, for them to learn to do things on their own. But some of the things I've done over the years is, um, is for one thing, I've I've often joined a team that had no automated regression tests at all. So then there's this huge amount of manual regression testing to do, which, of course, they expect the tester to do. And um, so when I've been faced with that, I go talk to the business people, customers, and say what really has to work. And then I write manual re- regression test scripts to make sure those things work. And then when it's near the end of the iteration and we're planning to release, I divide those up amongst the whole team, including all the developers, product owner, DBA, whoever. And we we split that work up and do it together, which is really great motivation for people to think about regression test automation. But it also gives them a sense of, well, here's what it's like to test, even though I'm just following a script. On my current team, I'm fortunate to work for a company that does value exploratory testing. Um, So many companies probably didn't even, never heard of it. But um, I have support for transferring exploratory test skills to the developers. So I've been able to do a couple of workshops to try to teach them things like, you know, using personas and writing exploratory testing charters with Elizabeth Hendrickson's template. And, and so they get, got an introduction to it that way. And then the uh, other tester I work with and I get to pair with the developers a day or two a week as they work on just regular stories. Um, And so we get a chance to not only ourselves get more insight into what they're working with in the architecture of the system and the the challenges for coding, but we also get to give them testing ideas and uh, and so I think pairing is really a great way to do that too. Um, but it's just a continual it's a continual journey for sure.
0: I think that's one of the best things about agile is the fact that it fosters that collaboration between people and between disciplines. It does help to spread the responsibility around within the team. Right, the one paradox that I heard actually when I was talking at Tespas Philadelphia, it came up during the questions. If we're trying to encourage teams to have this whole team approach to quality, is there not a paradox that we're going to be coaching ourselves out of a role if everyone suddenly becomes responsible for quality
1: <laughs> well i've I've heard that since I first learned about extreme programming back in two thousand. Uh, in fact if you read, <laughs> <happened> yet <laughs> if you yeah if you read the original books they didn't mention testers although they talked about testing and quality all the time so yeah mm-hmm. given it hasn't happened in 17 years I'm not too worried but I, I think what has happened is the skills and competencies are valued more than roles and I think that's a good thing for us as testers because on, most, on the teams I've worked on, they needed, even if even if some developers on the team or other people on the team, like product owners, were pretty good at testing, they needed the perspective of professional testers. They needed the specialized mm-hmm. skills of professional testers. And, um, you know, a team that's doing test-driven development and continuous integration and refactoring and all those wonderful practices, their code's going to be of... of really high quality. But is it going to be what the customers want? And I find that that's where most teams fall short and end up realizing that they do need testers and other other skills and competencies on the team.
0: And we'll talk more about that collaborative element after we've heard from Lisa about her second song.
1: Yeah, so my second song. Uh, there are so many great women in rock and roll, and uh, and Linda Ronstadt is definitely one of my favorites. And one of her early hits was with the Stone Ponies, and called "Different Drum." And I like this from the from thinking about being a tester because I think as testers we do march to a bit of a different drum, and and that's part of our value. And so, you know, although the song is really. I guess some kind of love song of unrequited love or something. She just wants to be free. I kind of like that about it. But I just think it's, it's good to remember that it's, it's okay to be different and go your own way and you can still add value to your team.
0: That was Different Drum by the Stone Ponies. And before that, we were talking about how testers have to collaborate within agile teams to work more closely with people of other disciplines. And it's really great, I think, that these walls have been torn down between teams. But for a lot of people, those walls were kind of comfortable because it allowed you that separation. It allowed you to make decisions, be it you know rejecting uh, a work item for some reason, throwing it back over the fence, safe in the knowledge that there's no comeback on you. Once you tear those walls down... You're suddenly put in a position where you have to deliver bad news directly to either developers or the managers above you. How can you do that without being overly confrontational?
1: Well, that's, that is a good question. Uh, and just for the record, I guess perhaps I'm a pushy person, but even when I was on a waterfall team, I made sure that I and the other testers got involved from the get go of each new project and each new feature. So that we could test requirements and and be involved in the design and things like that. So uh, I don't think that's unique to Agile. I think even people who are in Mm. other types of process can do this. But yeah, we're kind of the bad news people. Um, So I, I continually struggle with trying to think of ways to make quality visible and to make testing visible and to just have that kind of out in front of people all the time so it's not... An unpleasant surprise. I do think people are relieved to get the bad news from a tester rather than you know from customers after release to production. But I've also struggled sometimes with building credibility on a new team. So I find a terrible problem and I go to a developer and try to show it to them and they go oh no that's just something about your that's your machine or you have too many windows open. I've heard all kinds of really hilarious reasons why my problem isn't real Uh, and so building the credibility to where they know if I bring up an issue that it really is probably an issue but my approach is just to go and find maybe the friendliest looking person and, and say, hey, can I show you this problem? And then if they agree it's a problem, then we can decide together what to do. How should we escalate it? If, if, it's, if it's release day, should we pause the release? What should we do? So just, again, trying to collaborate and get other people involved in that has been the approach that works for me.
0: So I think that's something that comes easier to some people more than does others, particularly if you have certain tendencies. For instance, I describe myself as being something of an introvert and there's something uncomfortable about having to stand up in front of someone and say, you need to pay attention to me because I've got something to say that's important. And there are other groups of people who have similar problems that I can't myself identify with. So for example, there's always a struggle that faces women in technology, where that's something they have, a barrier they have to overcome. And certainly at being at events this year, I've seen this being discussed more and more. There have been big name speakers raising this as an issue. However, I am aware that I do kind of operate within an echo chamber. I'm only getting the voices that I hear from those around me. I assume that there's a much bigger problem out there that I'm not seeing on a day-to-day basis.
1: I'm fortunate to work at a company that where people are talking about all kinds of diversity and inclusion. Uh, and so I don't I don't know if that's really the real world or not, um, but I think it's definitely getting out there more and more. People are talking about it at conferences. We have conferences specifically addressing this, which is really helpful. I will you know, I joined I became a programmer uh, back when it was still a low status job and not well paid. And so there were just as many women as men. <laughs> so that was a bit lucky. But Over the years, obviously, I've worked on teams where I was often the only woman, or if there were other women, they usually were testers, which I always thought was interesting. I think it's because at least the perception of testing as a job is you actually get to work with people. And a lot of people I know over the years that wanted to be programmers thought that that was a good way not to talk to people, which is really terrible, because you should but um but I think that is maybe why more women were drawn to testing but I've just I've just heard such terrible stories and it's good that people are talking about it but if you had asked me back in 1982 where what would we be in 2017 I would have thought way beyond my first job interview for my computer programmer trainee job where I was asked if I baked because the office enjoyed having baked goods Uh, So uh, I wish we were further along, but I think we're getting there. And change, you know, either change is a big revolution and it's painful uh, or it's happening in tiny, tiny changes over time because we all have our cognitive biases. And scientific studies have shown that even women have uh, unconscious bias against women, which is crazy. And so the best we can do is to realize this is true. Try to be aware of that, of it. Try to take extra steps to get around it. My own team, a, a young developer on our team, had a great idea of something he calls thing of the week where each week we pick something to be aware of. And it might be something like, if you go to ask a pair, because everyone on our team pair programs, if you go to ask a pair a question, be sure you address yourself to both people in the pair and include them both, because what had been happening is if it was a woman or a minority pairing with a white male, People talk to the white male and not to the other person. And so just to be aware of that behavior or the language that you're using, the gender pronouns or saying guys, and you know, just to be aware of those things, not to try to make a great breakthrough or take action, but just to be aware. And I think little things like that really can help.
0: And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next section, because there were some interesting things happening at Agile Testing Days that I wanted to pick your brains on. But before that, It's time to hear about your third song selection. All
1: right. Well, third song selection is from that great pioneer of rock and roll, Chuck Berry. And this song, Roll Over Beethoven, has been recorded by a lot of people. The Beatles did great versions of it as well. But Chuck Berry, you know, he's the original and he obviously experimented and, and, and like the Beatles later on. He brought in rhythm and blues and a lot of other kinds of music together and made something completely new out of it and, you know, was, was quite brave about it. I wouldn't say he necessarily had a safe environment to work in. And in fact, you know, white men took his songs and had big hits with them. Whereas he didn't necessarily have that same degree of success, uh, but he kept on, and because he, he just loved doing it, and he loved collaborating. He did collaborate with the Beatles and and lots of other people. But I just think it's a fun song, and it's like, hey, here's some new music, and we've never heard anything like it, and we're just we're springing it on the world. So so Beethoven, get out of the way and listen.
0: Well, I'm gonna write a little letter, I'm gonna mail it to my local DJ. Yet it's a jumping little record I want my jockey to play. I roll over Beethoven, I gotta hear it again today. You know my temperature rising, the jukebox blowing a fuse. My heart beating rhythm and my soul keep a singing the blues. I roll over Beethoven, tell Tchaikovsky the news. I got the rocking pneumonia, I need a shot of rhythm and blues. Caught the rolling off a rider sitting down at a rhythm review. Roll over Beethoven, they're rocking in two by two. That was Chuck Berry with Roll Over Beethoven. Now, in the previous section, we were talking about gender diversity and testing. And there are some interesting discussions in this area at Agile Testing Days. And I wasn't there, but I know that you were. And I saw some interesting chatter online about it. So I was hoping to ask you about some of what went on at those events, if you feel comfortable talking about them, because one of them was an evening event called the Women and Allies Evening Gathering. What was the format of that event and what sort of things happened there?
1: Well, it was a wonderful event. We had had it the previous year as well, and it was one of the highlights of the conference for me last year as well. But this year we had the advantage of having the lead-in keynote by Ash Coleman and Keith Klain on diversity that was just mind-blowing and so people came into the room with a lot of energy there were lots of people we had lots of lots of men the afghan girls robotics team attended and participated which i thought was awesome and we just got a chance to have both individual conversations with each other and uh, an open space type format with group conversations. So, I, for example, I talked to a woman who's a single mom who's been told that because she she only works four, four days a week or four and a half days a week, that she will not be promoted because she has to take care of her child so she can't work five days a week. And similarly, though, I talked to a, a young woman who feels like her career is advancing just fine, and she mentioned that, oh, it was true, there weren't very many women in her her university program or where she's worked in her first job, but she worked really hard to be one of the boys and she hasn't had any trouble. And I mean, to me, that was still a bit disturbing that she had to be one of the boys to feel like her career was safe. And then for the open space, there were so many different great topics, but I joined a group that was discussing, you know, how can we help people both with uh, visible handicaps uh, and invisible handicaps? And it was I was just so amazed at how willing people were to share their own experiences with having both of those things and to tell us what could we do to help. And my big takeaway from that was just just ask, just ask people what they need, just ask people, how can I help? So I I know that seems super obvious, but I wasn't doing that before. So that was really good. So I, there was a lot of great energy and and I hope we can kind of carry that on outside of conferences too.
0: Yeah, it's always great to hear the range of stories and experiences that people have been through and the things they've had to, to overcome. If you're a member of the Ministry of Testing Dojo, the 99 second talks from TestPass Philadelphia this year are very interesting. I mentioned earlier that we went through this phase of everyone telling their test origin story when they were speaking. Mm-hmm. That then spilled over into the 99 second talks and there were some incredible talks from people who literally ranging from having to flee war-torn countries on boats to become a tester and it, it's incredible that that sense of perspective that it gives you and you mentioned the afghan girls robotics team who were speaking at agile testing days what, what was their story i
1: it was just i mean Roya maboob yes yeah, she was the the keynote speaker and she, she her story is amazing because she's the first woman tech ceo in afghanistan and and how she got interested in tech and and was able to get into that despite the lack of even basic education for girls in afghanistan is amazing but to provide a way for these girls who are so disadvantaged in their country to learn something that's fascinating to them that they're just passionate about of of doing robotics and uh, to give them opportunities It's just so wonderful. And people take risks to do this. Their families may or may not be supportive. So they told a story of how they wanted to go compete in the U.S. and were denied a visa and the struggles they went through and how that made them feel. And a young woman uh, from the team got up and spoke in in her own language with a translator, told the story. And by the end of it, we were all blubbering. I mean, it was just... Mm -hmm. It was such a moving story. And I just loved her message of for her, when they weren't being allowed to go compete, she said, it's like climbing a mountain and you're not allowed to stand on top of the peak, you know, but then they were allowed to go. And when she came, when they came home and were hailed by people back in Afghanistan of, oh, you've made the country proud and you've opened so many opportunities for everybody and giving everybody a voice. And she felt that the IT industry is a small bud right now, but she hopes it will grow into a great tree in Afghanistan and give so many people opportunities. And we don't realize what people in other parts of the world have to go through. And also we don't realize, well, we don't think about if you're silencing half your population, what are you doing? And and as as Roya said, maybe it's women in Afghanistan that have the solution to world problems, Right to disease or to violence or to crime or it could be anything the the idea may be locked in some girl's brain in afghanistan and if we don't give her the chance we're never going to have that idea
0: it's a remarkable story and it's a great one to bring to a conference platform and as you say the really important thing is that we then disseminate these stories back out to the people who work at conferences and i want to talk a little bit more to you about the roles of both speakers and attendees at conferences after we hear from your penultimate song selection
1: all right well i've picked another Beatles song here i kind of cheated i guess but it's it's a version by aretha franklin of let it be and aretha franklin is just she's a goddess to me she's amazing she overcame a a difficult environment in which to flourish. I mean, her father was a a very famous preacher, but it was definitely a world in which women were not supposed to go out and do things on their own. And, you know, her musicianship and her skill and her talent, she just kept pushing ahead. And she just owns Let It Be. It sounds like it was written for her. Uh, it kind of makes you wonder, it's like, maybe Paul McCartney originally wrote this for her. Uh, and I just love the message of the song. I'm a pretty excitable person, and I get carried away, and i anxious and worried, and oh my gosh, there's a terrible problem, and what if it gets in production? But sometimes we just have to step back and say, let it be, and just be in the moment. And I love that message.
0: That was Aretha Franklin's version of Let It Be, Lisa's fourth song selection today. Now, Lisa, you're a regular conference speaker and an attendee. Now, obviously, there are different conferences around the world doing different things. And I don't want to ask you to name names or anything, but how I'd like to phrase it is, what would be your dream experience as a speaker? What can an event do either big things or little things to really make you feel valued as a speaker.
1: Well, now I've already had my dream experience as a speaker, which actually was at Agile Testing Days a few years back. I got to ride into the conference dinner on a horse, dressed as a knight (laughs) with a sword and a shield and give a speech announcing Goiko Adzik as the winner of the Most Influential Agile Testing Professional Person Award. And it was a surprise. Nobody knew it was going to happen. And it's just never going to get better than that, uh, which is one reason I, I feel obliged to go to Agile Testing this every year. But also, it's an awesome conference. But um, yeah, as a speaker, I want... The opportunity to learn myself as well as to help other people learn. I really appreciate conferences that don't make people pay to speak because that's going to, I think, impact women, especially young women, much more than men because... I don't know why it's still this way in the world, but it tends to be the women that have to worry more about the child care and who's going to take care of the kids if they go to a conference. Uh, they seem less likely to have employers who are supportive of them going out to speak. I don't know why this is. It just seems to be the way the world still. So anything that conferences can do to make sure everybody who wants to speak at a conference and is qualified and has something valuable to share gets that opportunity and I'm seeing more and more conferences finding innovative ways to do that and I, I really appreciate the efforts of of the people who are doing
0: that. Yeah I think the personal touches make a big difference I know Agile Testing Days is one of these conferences that not only gives speakers individual personal gifts but they they personalize them to the individual person
1: they do it's amazing every year they mm. just they just top themselves every year i mean last year they gave my donkeys blankets right <laughs> this year i got a, a hand crocheted donkey made by sabine wed who's one of the organizers i mean just to get a personally made gift from somebody so yeah it's, it is the little touches that help a lot and just they just make sure that everyone has a good time and a good experience and if there's a problem they really want to solve it. And they're you know, we're fortunate to have, have other conferences like that now too. So that's really great to see. And and also to give people give new speakers a voice and encourage new speakers.
0: And talking about the difference between newcomers and veterans, you and I certainly fall more into the veteran circle, as mm-hmm. it were particularly even when we're just attending conferences. And you wrote a blog post recently titled Inclusive Conferences, which I think was partially off the back of some of what Cassandra said on one of our previous episodes around cliques and, and the, the dangers of those forming at conferences. Mm-hmm. And I know you, you cross-referenced something that I think it was Chris George wrote after last year's one of last year's test bashes that it, ca- it this is one of the challenges is when you're bumping into people you've not seen for a long time and you want to go and say hello to people you've not seen in a long time there is a danger that you can make others feel either unwelcome or less welcome
1: yeah Really, Chris's post and Cassandra's what Cassandra said on the podcast really hit home with me because I hadn't really thought about it. It's like, oh my gosh, we are a great community, but from the outside, we could we could look like a clique. Uh, people need to know that they're welcome, and how can we make sure that happens? And I thought Cassandra's tester bingo was brilliant. I got my cards at Agile Testing Days, and <laughs> and you know, it's just a great way, especially if you're shy to go up to a stranger and say, "Hey, I just want to say hello to you and can I write your name in my tester bingo card or would you write your name in my tester bingo card?" and it gives you a, just a chance to break the ice. I just thought that was wonderful. And the other things that Agile Testing Days did, they had a meet and greet for, before the conference started where they arranged, they made dinner reservations all over downtown Potsdam, and then people could get together in a group, and a volunteer would take them to the restaurant, and uh, and they got to meet a group of people that they could reconnect with all week. And so I heard lots of really good things about that. I heard really good things about the Collab Lab, which was uh, kind of a variation on the test lab, of people went in and, and could be included in playing tester games or helped with their public speaking or just a variety of things. The games night was also a place where people felt really included. So there are lots of different ways that we can make people feel included. And I think we just have to be aware as, as the people who are the the veterans and speakers and the members of the community already, we just have to realize that if we're sitting around in a group talking, we need to be looking around and seeing who's around us and who, who might we need to invite to talk to us and I tried to make an extra effort to to sit with new people at lunch or just to to say hello to people, you know, in the hall during the breaks and stuff. But uh I don't feel like I do enough. So uh I did post I got a lot of great additional ideas for making conversations inclusive and I just posted those this morning. So I really I love that people have a lot of great ideas and I think we can we can really do a lot and by the way you mentioned the 99 second talks and i i do have a dojo membership for ministry of testing and i think i need about a month to do nothing but watch conference videos
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think you're absolutely right i think very few people at conferences are being deliberately exclusive but finding as many novel ways to kind of smush people together as possible i think is a really good way to help break the ice and help people to feel more included Mm -hmm. And that leaves us with just one more song selection from you. What was your final song choice?
1: Well, I, I picked a Simon and Garfunkel song, the 59th Street Bridge song, or a lot of people think of it as the feeling groovy song, because you know what? Our, the most important thing about our work should be that we feel joy when we do our work. It's, we, we do need to be happy <laughs> with what we do, and we need to be happy that we've made our customer's day go a little better, perhaps. And so I just, uh, I just think this is a great song for Let's Be in the Moment and, and enjoy what we're doing. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy feeling groovy hello lamppost what you know when I come to watch your flowers growing ain't you got
0: no rhymes for me do it and do do feeling groovy feeling groovy that was Simon and Garfunkel's 59th Street Bridge song and the last piece of business before we wrap up today is for Lisa to select her one book that she gets to take to the island with her. We have a Tester's Island bookshelf. What's this book you'd like to contribute towards that, Lisa?
1: I think the perfect book to take with me to the to the Tester's Island is Beautiful Testing, which is a compilation of stories about what makes testing beautiful. From It's edited by Adam Goucher and Tim Riley. I think the subtitle is Leading Professionals Reveal How They Improve Software but there are some really personal and moving stories in there and also i haven't read it in years now i think it came out in 2009 so um so it'll be nice to read it again on the island uh but i just feel like it's a it's kind of a timeless book to remind us why we love this profession and also to get some great ideas from so that's
0: that's what i take with me that's a brilliant selection beautiful testing there from lisa crispin And it's been a real pleasure to talk to you and hear about your five song selections. If people would like to get hold of you and learn more about the writing that you've been doing or the songs that you've selected, how might they go about doing that?
1: Well, probably the best way to ping me is on Twitter, which I'm Lisa Crispin on Twitter. And uh, my website dot lisacrispin.com. So... That's all pretty easy and straightforward. And if you want to learn more about the books that Janet Gregory and I have co-written and also the video course that we created this year, AgileTester.ca is the website for that. So there's a lot of uh, free content on there that hopefully people could find helpful.
0: As we prepare to enter 2018, is there any big events that you've got coming up near the start of the year?
1: Oh, it's gonna looks like a busy year. Uh, I have the Automation Guild online conference in January, and uh, which I love the I love the idea of an online conference that's more accessible to everybody. So I'm excited about participating in that this year uh, or next year, and then the European Testing Conference, which is in Amsterdam in. Uh, February, and that sounds like, from what I heard about it last year, that sounds like it's got a lot of uh, unusual things to offer. So I'm pretty excited about that one, and I'm going to be pairing with Abby Bangzer on uh, a really cool workshop on pipelines and continuous delivery of test- and testing. And then Test Bash Dublin, well, I think it's the first Test Bash in Dublin, so I'm super excited about getting to participate in that. So so far, that's what I've got, and of course, I'll be at Agile Testing Days in the fall.
0: So Excellent. I'll be at a couple of those as an attendee, so I'll look forward to to seeing you there. Now, obviously, we're deep in the middle of the holiday season, so I guess you've got other things on your mind at the moment. I we mentioned during the talk that you you, you look after donkeys. How do the donkeys handle the deep winter?
1: Well, um, it's not their favorite season, but uh, mm-hmm. but they grow a lot of hair. Uh, I can't really see their eyes very well now and um and if if it gets really cold we do get some extreme cold here in Colorado they just stay in the barn where they can be warm and dry but they're pretty good sports about it Uh, they don't like snow but if the sun comes out and I'm ready for a drive they do like pulling the cart so I can hitch him up and drive them over the snow, and and I, I wish I had a sleigh, but I don't. But you know, <laughs> if you take a wheeled vehicle over snow, it becomes a sleigh, so it's all good. And uh, and they're quite good sports about that. So so we all we all handle it as best we can. I give them extra food and extra treats, so they're happy.
0: That's an appropriately festive ending to today's episode. <laughs> Thank you very much, Lisa, for taking time out of your holiday weekend.
1: It is certainly my pleasure. It's just really fun to talk to you. And I really have been enjoying the podcast and hope to hear lots of, lots of more great episodes.
0: We've got lots more to come in 2018. I look forward to speaking to you all then. Have a great holiday and see you all soon. Bye. Bye. Tester's Island Discs is brought to you in association with the Ministry of Testing. Written and produced by Neil Studd. Theme music by Tony Lovitch. Follow us on Twitter at Tester's Island.